This is the Author Archive podcast. Today, Philippa Gregory. Now, when her novel The Other Berlin Girl was first published, amazingly, it won Romantic Novel of the Year. And when I met her, I said, well, this is a bit odd because it finishes and starts with a death. At the, we open with the young Mary Boleyn, sister to Anne, at the execution of her uncle for treason against Henry VIII, and we end, very near the end, with the execution of her sister and her brother, again for treason and other charges against Henry VIII. The Boleyns are a minor member of the Howard family, whose history is just absolutely intertwined with English history and the history of the monarchy. And at that time, with Henry as a young prince and then rising to a very much older man, it's a long reign. Your entire success depends upon catching and keeping the attention of the king. And the Howard's Boleyn family do it by a number of means, but principally by putting their daughters into his bed. I mean, we know about Anne, but this other, the other Boleyn girl, she really existed? She very much did, yes. She's Anne's sister. There's three Boleyn children, George Boleyn, Anne and Mary. And Mary comes to court before Anne. She's married to one of Henry's courtiers. And as a very young married woman, perhaps as young as 14, she takes the eye of the king and she becomes his mistress. It's my suggestion that that's absolutely with the collusion and consent of her family. And the evidence for that is, is that every time she, she conceives and has two children, probably by Henry, and at every birth, her father gets a promotion, he gets a title, he gets extra land, and so does her husband. So I think what you have there is an absolute setup which panders to the king's desire. What changes that dramatically is when Anne arrives from France and captivates the whole court. She's not a particularly beautiful woman, but she's fascinating. She absolutely captivates the whole court and she won't jump into bed with the king and she holds off and she holds him off without having sex with the most powerful man probably in Europe at that stage for six years and she keeps him absolutely on the boil for six years and then when she marries him she loses him in two. What's your references? How do you know? Where did, where did the research come from? Well Anne Boleyn is an incredibly popular historical f figure so there's I would say hundreds of biographies of Anne Boleyn, so I read as many of them as seem to be saying anything new, so there's a huge amount of reading. There's a lot of uh, interesting research work which I did at Hever and Greenwich and at the uh, Boleyn family home Rochford in Essex, so I was in Southend-on-Sea records office, which isn't where you'd necessarily think to go for a history of Anne Boleyn, but there's a tremendous amount about Mary Boleyn because that's where she ends up living. Um, but Mary herself doesn't appear very much in the record at all. In most of the histories, there'll be maybe two or three references to her, and then to her as Henry's mistress and preceding her sister. Um, she just, she's one of these characters. She's on the shadows of the stage. She steps on, she has a brief moment, and then she steps out again. And it was tracing that stepping on and the, and the stepping out again that's been so fascinating. And in your conjecture, what's the relationship with between these two sisters, for the, the, the woman who has been the mistress and then the other one who comes to be the preferred mistress. How does, how does sibling rivalry cope with that? Well, as you say, it's absolutely conjecture, but I think one can assume that some things don't change. And I think for a lot of sisters, your sister is your model and your rival. You know, initially for your parents' affection, that doesn't apply in the Tudor period because you don't have affectionate parents at this class in the Tudor period necessarily, and certainly the Berlins, I think, were very cold. But uh, when they get to court, they're two young women at court. You know, there's only one king. 
one of them gets him, then the other one competes. And the fall of one sister and then another is very acute. So when Mary stops being Henry's mistress, Anne becomes his favourite. Mary then has to be her lady-in-waiting. And we know she's listed as being Anne's lady-in-waiting. When her husband dies, she's left penniless, and she has a pension from the king as a result of Anne's request. Her entire sort of survival well-being depends upon her sister's goodwill and her sister's just taken the man that she was sleeping with and indeed then adopts her son. So I think it would be a very sharp rivalry between the two of them. How did you stumble upon this woman? Uh, because at the time people knew about her, they didn't name a ship after her. That's how I started to her. At the time, she was very well known. She was absolutely, um, Catherine of Aragon was still Henry's queen then, but she was his top mistress. So he launched a ship, a warship, and he named it the Mary Boleyn. And that went into the historical record. You get these little, that's like the limelight spot. That goes into the historical record. So when I, came, I was reading about the Tudor Navy, and I came across this ship called Mary Boleyn, and just went, that's, you know, that doesn't make sense to me. It should be Anne Boleyn, surely, who's this Mary? read around and discovered that she was his mistress and Anne's sister and immediately went, this has to be a story which is going to be fascinating to research and I hope wonderful to tell. And then I started looking for her. Once you start looking for her, there's different other clues and, and you can trace her life because she's, you know, when Anne's at court, she's her lady-in-waiting, so you've got, a, you've got a name check there. There's a couple of masks when people dance and we know she's one of the ladies who dance. We even know that she's wearing green and silver. So there's some wonderful little moments where you know exactly where she is. And then there's good chunks of her life where she just steps out of the limelight and we don't know where she is at all. What happened to the brother? The brother is accused of incest with Anne as part of the show trial which executes Anne. And so he's executed on the day before Anne. So Mary, on the, on, in one week, loses a brother and a sister and they're her only siblings. And her parents die a year later in disgrace. And she, in the end, is the only Boleyn who survives. What sort of Henry is yours? I mean, he, 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 at the beginning of the book, um, the young Boleyn girl is looking at the the axe for uh, the axe coming up, and she's expecting Henry to come in and say, "Okay, all right, I forgive you." Um, so, is this a very theatrical monarch that you have? I think Henry was, and particularly if you look at Elizabeth, people do talk about the way the Tudor monarchs had this absolute ability to put on a show. And in a sense, in a country that doesn't have a standing army and doesn't have a police force and doesn't have the sort of controls we have, you have to have a monarchy that can rule by absolute magic. It's got to be something that people go like, he's special. So you still, you know, this is a period where pe people touch for the king's evil. They believe the king, the anointed king, has miraculous powers direct from God. So this is, a at the start of the book, this is a very young man. He's a young man in his early 20s. He's, he is called the most handsome prince in Christendom. He's blonde, he's incredibly fit. He hunts every day, he loves to joust, he loves winning. He's absolutely the most glamorous king you can imagine. And we know, the picture that a lot of us have is of, you know, the fat old Henry at the end of his life. But of course when he was young he was beautiful and, you know, he was particularly beautiful. He was remarked upon how beautiful and learned and witty and charming and musical and talented he was. And part of the story of Anne and Mary in his life is part of the story of his corruption, that this is the first time that he realises that if he doesn't love a woman, he can put her aside and break her heart and he does that to Catherine of Aragon. Then when he's had enough of Anne, he realises he can execute her for fundamentally no reason at all. The other Boleyn girl. 
It's published by HarperCollins. Philippa Gregory, thank you. Thank you. This is the Author Archive Podcast.